From Greenville, South Carolina, we present... Let the Bible Speak. Let the Bible Speak is the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, preaching Christ in all His fullness. for joining us for another broadcast of Let the Bible Speak, featuring messages preached by Dr. Alan Cairns, founder of Let the Bible Speak Radio Ministries. Currently, Dr. Cairns is bringing a series of studies in the earthly life and ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, messages that focus on the Savior Himself, as revealed in His teaching and miracles, His atoning death on the cross, and His glorious resurrection. We'll hear from Dr. Cairns in just a few minutes. First of all, we invite you to enjoy this devotional thought from the pen of C.H. Spurgeon, as found in his collection called Morning and Evening. This morning's text is found in Matthew chapter 26, verse 39. And he went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed. There are several instructive features in our Savior's prayer in his hour of trial. It was lonely prayer. He withdrew even from his three favored disciples. Believer, be much in solitary prayer, especially in times of trial. Family prayer, social prayer, prayer in the church will not suffice. These are very precious, but the best beaten spice will smoke in your censer in your private devotions, where no ear hears but God's. It was humble prayer. Luke says he knelt, but another evangelist says he fell on his face. Where then must be thy place, thou humble servant of the great master? What dust and ashes should cover thy head? Humility gives us a good foothold in prayer. There is no hope of prevalence with God unless we abase ourselves that he may exalt us in due time. It was filial prayer. Abba, Father, You will find it a stronghold in the day of trial to plead your adoption. You have no rights as a subject. You have forfeited them by your treason. But nothing can forfeit a child's right to a father's protection. Be not afraid to say, My father, hear my cry. Observe that it was persevering prayer. He prayed three times. Cease not until you prevail. Be as the importunate widow whose continual coming earned what her first supplication could not win. Continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. Lastly, it was the prayer of resignation. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. Yield, and God yields. Let it be as God wills, and God will determine for the best. Be thou content to leave thy prayer in his hands who knows when to give, and how to give, and what to give, and what to withhold. So pleading, earnestly, importunately, 
yet with humility and resignation, thou shalt surely prevail. One of the chief characteristics of the Protestant Reformation of the 16th century was the preeminent place given to the Bible. The Reformers' motto was, The Bible alone, the religion of the Protestants. Men such as Martin Luther and John Knox insisted that the Holy Scriptures contain everything necessary for Christian faith and practice. It is important for believers in the 21st century to understand the central significance of the Bible in daily living and in the battle for spiritual truth. Let the Bible Speak is making available free of charge a booklet called The Bible and the Protestant Reformation, published by the Trinitarian Bible Society. 
To obtain your copy, simply email info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. If you wish, you may call us at 864-244-2408. That's 864-244-2408. If you prefer regular mail, you may simply write, Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. That's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. Just ask for your copy of The Bible and the Protestant Reformation, and we'll be delighted to provide it. As Dr. Cairns continues these studies in the life and earthly ministry of Christ, he commences a message entitled, Christ Selecting and Directing His Disciples. The text under consideration is found in portions of Luke chapters 9 and 10. The theme is discipleship, revealed in a number of parables, which reveal much of Christ's method of directing His followers into effective spiritual service. First of all, there is the cost of following Christ. Three different men offered to follow him. The first failed to count the cost. The next two knew the cost, but were unwilling to pay it. The Bible speaks of various individuals who began to build, but were unable to finish because they had failed to count the cost. Christ's call is to complete and unconditional surrender. Now here is Dr. Cairns to introduce this message Christ selecting and directing his disciples. We're turning this morning as we continue the studies in the life of Christ to the Gospel of Luke, Luke's Gospel. And uh, we're going to be in chapter 9 toward the end. We're going to read into chapter 10. For the sake of time, I'm going to omit a passage in chapter 10 that I think uh, most of you well, no, and that's the story of the Good Samaritan. So we're going to read the first part of chapter 10 and then the final few verses. But starting at chapter 9, verse 57. And it came to pass that as they went in the way, a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And Jesus said unto him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. And he said unto another, Follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. 
Jesus saith unto him, Let the dead bury their dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. Another also said, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first go and bid them farewell which are at home at my house. And Jesus said unto him, No man having put his hand to the plough and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. After these things the Lord appointed other seventy also, and sent them two and two before his face into every city and place, whither he himself would come. Therefore said he unto them, The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. Go your ways. Behold, I send you forth as lambs among wolves. Carry neither purse nor scrip nor shoes, and salute no man by the way. And into whatsoever house ye enter, first say, Peace be to this house. And if the Son of Peace be there, your peace shall rest upon it. If not, it shall turn to you again. And in the same house remain, eating and drinking such things as they give. For the laborer is worthy of his hire. Go not from house to house. And into whatsoever city ye enter, and they receive you. Eat such things as are set before you. And heal the sick that are therein. And say unto them, The kingdom of God is come nigh unto you. But into whatsoever city ye enter, and they receive you not, go your ways out into the streets of the sea, and say, Even the very dust of your city which cleaveth on us, we do wipe off against you. Notwithstanding, be ye sure of this, that the kingdom of God is come nigh unto you. But I say unto you that it shall be more tolerable in that day for Sodom than for that city. Woe unto thee, Chorazin! Woe unto thee, Bethsaida! For if the mighty works that had been done uh, had been done in Tyre and Sidon, which have been done in you, they had a great while ago repented, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it shall be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon at the judgment than for you. And thou, Capernaum, which art exalted to heaven, shalt be thrust down to hell. He that heareth you heareth me, and he that despiseth, despiseth you despiseth me, and he that despiseth me despiseth him that sent me. The seventy returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. And he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions, and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Notwithstanding, in this rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Then toward the end of the chapter, verse 38 to 42, Now it came to pass as they went 
that he entered into a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about much serving, and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. As the Lord Jesus Christ neared the end of his earthly ministry, it's obvious that he placed a more and more evident emphasis upon his disciples and the role that they would play. To the Lord Jesus, the disciples were much more than mere companions as he walked and worked among men. They were that, but they were much more. To him, the disciples were what I would call troops in training. In many ways, their three years with Christ were an extended boot camp for the rest of their lives as they served the Lord Jesus Christ in various parts of the world. And so as the time of their deployment for service approached, the Lord Jesus began to emphasize more and more powerfully the role that they would have in his service. Thus, from these last few verses in Luke chapter 9, right through the 42 verses of Luke chapter 10, the thread that connects the various events that are there recorded is the theme of discipleship. We read this morning at the end of Luke chapter 9 of three men, each of whom had to face the challenge of being a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the first 16 verses of chapter 10, we read of how the Lord Jesus sent out 70 disciples and gave them clear commands as to what he wanted them to do. Then in the verses that follow from verse 17 and onwards, we read of the return of the seventh day and how that the Lord Jesus, in the midst of their rejoicing, issued to them a startling warning, a warning I think that when we read, we too often overlook. Then in the passage we omitted reading this morning, we have the parable of the Good Samaritan and what called it forth. I think the Good Samaritan may well be called the ultimate disciple. If you want to know what a disciple really is and how he operates, then you read the story of the Good Samaritan who is not, let me emphasize, a type of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is quite normal in reading that story 
to see parallels with the greater service of Christ. That should not surprise us because the service of a disciple should mirror that of his Savior. But the Good Samaritan is not a parable about the work of Christ preeminently. It is a parable about the work of a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. Then, as we read at the end of Luke chapter 10, we have a heartsome story about Mary and Martha in their own home. And as you look into that home, there you learn the inmost secret of being a disciple of the Lord Jesus. Now, here you have an array of narratives, every one of them in its place would repay the closest attention in its own right. But I'm not looking at these narratives as stories in themselves. We're looking at the biography of the Lord Jesus. We're seeing the life of the Savior on earth unfold before us. We're learning more about Him through these various things. And as we do that this morning, what I want us to do is to consider a very far-reaching truth, and think upon how the Lord Jesus Christ directs His disciples into effective spiritual service. That's what these varying narratives are all about, how Christ directs His selected disciples into spiritual service that will be effective for him. Now, at the end of Luke chapter 9, the first thing we learn is this, that the Lord Jesus sets forth the cost of discipleship, a cost that he expects his disciples to pay. We read there of three men. It's interesting that two of those men came forth as volunteers. Two of them said, Lord, I will follow thee. The third one didn't. To him the Lord Jesus went, issuing the command and the call, follow me. Now, these three men seem to have something in common. And I think this is why these stories are rather cryptically, or maybe better, the, the, the proper term would be elliptically recorded here. In other words, there's a lot more here than the actual words at first glance would, repair, would convey. But all these three men have one thing in common, and that is they are men with divided hearts. I think it is obvious that in each one of them, there was in the heart some interest in Christ, some interest in following Christ. But yet, side by side with that, there was in the heart something that was averse to following Christ so that there was, as they faced the challenge, in each of these men, a division of heart. The first man appears to be a man who came responding rather rashly, quickly, 
shallowly to Jesus Christ, a character who appears to have been easily moved, quick to speak. He takes uh, shallow feelings as if they were deep. And so very rashly he comes and he says, Lord, I'll follow you. And he, he goes on to say, I will follow you wherever you go. Doesn't matter to me. I'm ready. The Lord Jesus, by his answer, exposes his heart. Says, the foxes have holes, the birds of the air have nests. I have no place on earth to call my own. I have no place to lay my head. That's the price for you if you're going to follow me. He had not counted the cost. And there is a cost to discipleship. The second and third men appear to be people who may have known a little or might have known a little about the cost, but they were not willing to pay it. There's something very strange about the second man who hears the call and the command, follow me, and he says, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. That has always perplexed me a little. First of all, if his father was deadly ill, or if he had actually reached the place where he was dead, given that the Jews buried very quickly, what on earth was he doing away from home at that time? Something strange about that. If his father was on the point of death or was suffering from some great illness, and he's got the Lord Jesus there, why on earth did he not ask what even a Roman centurion of the faith to ask? Lord, speak the word and he'll be healed. Or even if he was dead, speak the word and he'll rise. There's no thought of seeing Christ at work. Some people think that he was talking about making the extended time of Jewish mourning. While the funeral would take place quickly, the mourning could go on for a very long time, making that the excuse not to follow Christ. There was a price to pay. You've been listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America. We hope you've enjoyed and benefited from today's program. We are here as your servants for Christ's sake. If we can be of any further help to you in the things of the Lord, we invite you to contact us. If you would like to receive our booklet, Separated Unto the Gospel, a booklet that sets forth the beliefs and standards of the Free Presbyterian Church, you may have a copy free of charge, simply for the asking. Our mailing address is Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. That's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. Our email address is info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. If you would like to learn more about the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, we invite you to visit our website, www.fpcna.org. 
That's www.fpcna.org. This is Charles Kelsch saying thank you for listening and inviting you to join us again as we let the Bible speak.